From member-supported CPR News, this is Purplish, a show about Colorado politics and democracy. I'm Andrew Kenny, here with my colleagues Benta Berkland and Caitlin Kim. Hi. Hey. Caitlin Kim, where are you today? We never <laughs> quite know. Today, I'm in Grand Junction. I'm in a lobby of a hotel, sitting here with my mask on. I've been driving around the, the third congressional district, talking to voters, finding out what the issues are driving them this fall, you know, why they're voting early, if they are voting early, or why they're not voting early. Great. And talking to them about some of the races that we've all been following. Well, Benta and I are just back here in downtown Denver like boring people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, like smart people. <laughs> and uh, we're recording this October 22nd in the morning, just 12 days before the election. Ooh. So things will definitely have changed by oh, the time you're listening. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. So today we're going to talk about two weird things that we're seeing in these final weeks. First, we'll dive into early turnout numbers for Colorado, which are actually astounding. And then we'll bring in Allison Sherry, CPR's justice reporter, to talk about some troubling but not necessarily true reports of election intimidation. Let's start, though, with a number. 1.3 million. That is how many ballots have been cast in Colorado. That's our latest data, uh, just about two weeks out from Election Day. Mm -hmm. And to get a sense of what that actually means to see a number like that at this point, I called up Peg Pearl. She's the elections director for Arapahoe County. The signature verification judges came in their first couple of days to have some training and a few ballots to work on to warm up. Um, And instead, we had 10,000 ballots for you. Uh, So it wasn't really a chance to kind of gear up slowly, but we had some great experienced judges helping out the new ones. So what you're seeing is a ton of votes coming in much earlier than normal. That's right. I mean, it's it's more than a quarter of registered voters in the state. Wow. And we're seeing a huge interest among Democrats. So to put it in perspective, nearly half of the state's registered Democrats have already voted. Now, for Republicans, that figure's lower. It's about a third of Republicans. It's expected to narrow significantly, but Democrats are feeling pretty good about what they're seeing. I talked to Ian Silveri. He's with the group Progress Now, and he says, uh, these figures actually change the strategies for each major party in the Mm. coming days. Democrats can now spend more time on lower turnout voters, whereas Republicans have to make sure that their reliable voters just don't stay home this year for some reason. I mean, one really interesting thing Silveri told me was that Democratic women are really driving this surge, and that's followed by unaffiliated men. And as a rule, typically Democrats in Colorado vote later and closer to an election um, compared to Republicans. So we're just not seeing that right now. Yeah, watching these turnout numbers come in, it's almost like winter is arriving early. Like the whole seasonal schedule is is arriving early. And we're going to still have to wait to find out what that means. But uh, I thought one thing that Peg Pearl, the elections director, said that was really illuminating. She described how ballots are even filling up the warehouse early. Well, we are full of ballots and moving along. And it's basically with our warehouse usually would look about a week from now. So, Lynn, you've been out on the road while we've been talking to officials and strategists here What are you hearing from these early voters? Sort of getting to some of the things that you guys have been talking about, about early turnout. A lot of the people that I've spoken with who are Republicans or leaning, um, unaffiliated leaning Republicans, were saying they kind of wanted to hold on to their ballot and wait till the last minute. Some of them wanted more information, but others were just saying they plan to vote on Election Day. I think some of the, the information that they're getting and concerns that they're getting about voter fraud and safety of their ballots have have sort of come become foremost in their mind but like overall a number of the people are voting um sort of for the practical reasons right like a couple people i spoke with headed out of town and wanted to vote before they left 
and a lot of other people are voting because they just see this as an important election, like a Kim Kraska. She's a registered Democrat in Durango. I've always voted, but this is the, the one that matters the most to me in my lifetime. <laughs> I just hate what's happened in the last four years with our, the hate, that's, that the division, the damage done to the environment, environmental protections. Um, I, I just want it to stop. And I, I want to be able to watch the news again without being angry. <laughs> um, so, so she voted early, so she'd know that her vote was counted. And part of being counted, though, is making sure that your ballot is accepted. Even though a lot of the Republican voters I've talked to in Colorado say they trust our all-male ballot system since we've been doing it for a while, um, I talked to, to Ryan Lynch, a Republican strategist. He still thinks they're being impacted by what the president's saying and concerns they may have about other states. I think there's no doubt about the fact that the rhetoric that you're hearing on a national level plays into distrust in the in the mail voting process. That said, the majority of voters, uh, certainly the majority of voters who have been voting in Colorado, understand differently. They understand that our system is is tried and true. It's safe. That lends itself to thinking we may see Republicans really close this voting gap as we get closer to Election Day or even on Election Day itself. That, I think that's very true. I think that's what a lot of the Republicans that I spoke out here on the Western Slope were saying. Well, Republicans better hope so, because typically, you know, we don't see this big divide with Democrats outnumbering Republicans so badly in the early vote. Right. In 2016, they were neck and neck right through Election Day. And this time, Democrats are just showing up in droves. Yep. Well, but I think a lot of Democrats, especially the Democrats that I've been talking to out here, are really concerned about this election, right? They really want to make sure their vote counts. They're voting early because they want to make sure that they don't have any problems with their ballot. I spoke with Morgan Cartwright. He's a 20-year-old unaffiliated voter. He did vote Democrat, he said, even though all his friends and family are voting Republican. He lives in Cortez. And I talked to him just after he stuck his ballot in the mail. And this is what he had to say. I was afraid that, like, there might be issues. I remember previously, I think I got rejected because my signature was off or something. Oh, okay. So if there's a problem, maybe if I voted earlier, I could deal with that. And I heard from people, like, who had just gotten married and she never signed with her married name. So she was worried about the signature verification. And I also heard a couple of people say that they knew, like, how they were going to vote. Nothing was going to change their mind. And they just kind of wanted to do their part and get out of the way for the people who do decide to vote later or on Election Day so that there wouldn't be any lines like what we've seen in some other states. You know, I know clerks always appreciate that because, you know, our voting system allows the counties to start processing (laughs) ballots, you know, as they're coming in. And so it does make for a smoother Election Day process because a lot of people are still going to vote on Election Day. That's right. They're allowed to start counting 15 days out. So they are already underway processing all those early ballots that are coming in. Uh, Benta, did you learn anything about how this compares to, say, like 2018? I know that we said it's pretty different from 2016. Right. Well, the analyst I talked to said you know, 2018 may be the best comparison because, hmm. you know, that's when Colorado saw a surge in unaffiliated voters really turning out in this off midterm election. And they had the highest turnout rate compared to Republicans or Democrats. David Flaherty is a Republican strategist. He heads the Magellan Group. He said it's a very similar election in his mind to 2018. The 2018 election was really a referendum on Donald Trump's leadership. And a lot of younger voters, a lot of unaffiliated voters, uh, wanted to cast their ballot when they normally would not, perhaps to have their voice heard, if you will. And now that 
the presidential election is finally here, that's why we believe or anticipate to see the exact same thing. Hopefully here in Colorado, we'll have results pretty quickly on election night. But if this is the pattern we're seeing across the country with Republican votes surging in late, then we could be waiting for a while. And especially states that can't process ballots early and states that are ramping up way more mail voting for the first time. So, you know, we could have answers to to some of our ballot questions pretty early, potentially on election night. A lot will still be undecided nationally. But I know Republicans are still kind of holding out hope here for a change in the winds. So obviously some of those voter anxieties and concerns driving people to vote early, we're also seeing that play out in a different way. Viral social media posts that are causing some real distress, people talking about supposed intimidation and other issues at the ballot box. We had to know more. So we're pulling in Allison Sherry, who's been our reporter on this topic, to help us explain what's going on. Thanks for letting me make an appearance on your show. So Allison, give us an example of these kind of viral posts that we're seeing. So one came from my own neighborhood next door, um, uh, which is, you know, where we always get all of our news. And I'm just kidding. Um, No, one came from my own neighborhood next door. And it said there were people at the Hiawatha Davis Rec Center, uh, which is up in North Park Hill, um, standing outside, telling people dropping off their ballots that they needed a stamp, which is obviously not true. And if you actually have dropped your ballot off, you'll see there's a big sign on the ballot boxes that says, you don't need a stamp for this. Yeah, for the ballot box, for the drop box. For the drop box, exactly. You do for the uh, the mailbox. No, of course, for the mailbox. But this was people who were coming to drop off their ballots at the drop boxes, Hmm. that there was supposedly, reportedly, a person telling people they needed a stamp, which most people who come to the drop box have not stamped their um, ballots. That's like one reason you do the drop box. Exactly. (laughs) Um, And so... There was that, and it, it, it generated, I mean, I think more than 100 comments, and people huh. were outraged, and people were telling them to call, you know, the Secretary of State's oh. office. And um, and so then there was another one that um, a reporter at Denverite had posted from his neighborhood, people in tactical gear standing outside, looking like intimidating. I, I, don't, I don't know. Something like that, yeah. Yeah, I think tactical gear should be in air quotes. Um, <laughs> but um, and so what we did and and I'm not trying to make light of this because voter intimidation exists and we know this and we've seen this in other states and we've seen reports. There was an armed guy at a polling place in Florida yesterday. Um, so I, I am making light of some of this, but I'm also I also want to acknowledge that voter intimidation does exist and I am taking it extremely seriously. And with but the what two. Came at, yeah, what came with Yeah, these? with the two. Uh, cases that I was talking about earlier that happened in Colorado, we went, I went to both the Denver Police Department and uh, the Denver clerk and reporter, Paul Lopez, and also uh, Jenna Griswold, who's the Secretary of State. Um, They looked at um, surveillance footage for up to 24, 36 hours, I think, Hmm. um, and they did not see any evidence of this happening. Um, in those two places, there was and it another. It seems like post. with the tactical guys, th- th- that would have been pretty easy to see because these drop boxes are monitored by yeah. surveillance cameras. They are, and people are not allowed to electioneer. You know, advocate for a campaign, advocate for a, a political candidate within a hundred feet from a drop box. But I guess you could stand outside of a hundred feet of a ballot box in tactical gear um, as a as a First Amendment issue. Um, but voter intimidation is illegal. So I think it's a it'd be a you know, if you saw something that was concerning to you, there's a little bit of a bubble law um, right now mm. on that. I mean, Ellison, I was going to ask, how far is this stuff spreading? You know, because I saw something yeah. on the official 
Twitter account for the Senate Democrats mm-hmm. in the state, you know, talking about some of this and encouraging people to vote. Right. Um, you know, it may not be based on things that are actually true that are happening, you know, right here in Colorado. And and I think, you know, there was another Facebook f- post that I, I, someone sent to me. It was out of Longmont um, that there were people in MAGA hats uh, threatening people outside of a polling place in Longmont. Mm. I talked to the Boulder clerk and recorder. I talked to the Longmont police back and forth. They went through um, 48 hours of police reports. They, they found no evidence. This person on their Facebook page said that they called Longmont police, but this the Longmont police said that this didn't happen. Mm. So I think... The lesson here, which is what we should all say all the time, is everything, anything you read on social media, be extremely skeptical of that. So while I was live tweeting, you know, sort of Colorado is a safe place to be, tweets from from elected officials, I got a direct message from State Representative Leslie Harrod, Mm. who cautioned me that voter intimidation does exist. And she'd heard some reports um, where she, in her district, um, which is also in Park Hill, which Mm -hmm. I'd mentioned earlier. And, um, you know, I I said, can we jump on the phone? You know, I'd love to talk to you about this. So she talked to me. She said, you know, I have no doubt that everything they're saying is true. But I also want you to I want to caution you that voter intimidation can exist. And we want to make sure that everybody, you know, if you see something, say something sort of. So I mean, um, I I just wonder if there's a problem when there's misinformation on things that's not that, you know, that aren't true. Right. And then if we actually do see some of these things are happening. yeah, are people going to take it less seriously? That's yeah. right. We need to be really careful with how we talk about this because on the one hand, this is primed for misinformation and disinformation where everybody's on edge and maybe things that people see get misinterpreted and spread quickly on social media. But on the other hand, individual acts of intimidation and disruption do happen. Exactly. And uh, I met a couple in Cortez that actually told me that they had read on their social media feed that a ballot box had been burned in California. So they walked past the ballot box that huh. was outside of the drop-off location and walked straight into the county clerk's office to hand off their ballots because they didn't want anything to happen to it just in case. And I don't know, Allison, if you're hearing stories like this, too. There was a ballot box burned in a suburb of Los Angeles. Hmm. And I, I think, you know, that's obviously under investigation. Um, but but yeah, I think I think I want to say that there is absolutely an attempt to sow chaos into this election. And I hmm. think that everybody needs to be skeptical. And when I say be skeptical of what you read on social media, I'm not saying well, that's because it's all un- not true. Some of it might be true. But I've done some reporting that there are foreign actors trying to sow chaos and confusion into this hmm. election. So if they are posting something on a chat room or or some advocacy group website or they've created an advocacy group but people think is legit um, mm-hmm. and they cut and paste the stories and put it onto Nextdoor about people in tactical gear sh- showing up at a ballot box, then that that does cause concern. I mean, that might that if it's just one elderly couple that decides, you know what, it's not worth it for me to like walk mm-hmm. over to that ballot box and and drop it off because I don't really want to see anybody in tactical gear, then they've won, right? I mean, then they've won. Even if it's a misinformation campaign, they've won. So I well, but, um, I mean, Allison, what we've heard about foreign actors and we've mm-hmm. heard the national intelligence uh, folks tell us this is a really high risk right mm-hmm. now. When you were reading social media posts, did you see skepticism from any of the people responding to these allegations? You know, was that in people's minds like, hey, do we know that this is true? 
Um, not really. Not in that initial post that I saw on Nextdoor. I actually did do a story about this, and I posted my story on Nextdoor just so I, you know, so I like was like, just so everybody reads this. Close this is yeah. a story. Um, then the person who had originally posted that uh, removed her post, huh. um, and then I had, you know, a lot of people said to my, on my post, "Oh, I, I thought it seemed sketchy. That seemed fake." But no one said it to the actual original post. So okay. you know, maybe they're just trying to be polite. I don't know. But um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Next door is actually not a bastion of politeness. So probably not. But yeah, it's, it's like um, after the fact, like, oh, I knew that was going to happen. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, 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 exactly. Well, to me, um, one of the best answers to this is a drop of skepticism and underlining the resiliency of the system. Because, you know, say a ballot box burns in, in Colorado, that would stink. But we would have ways to recover from that. People would know that their ballots hadn't been processed and counted. They'd mm-hmm. be able to vote again. So it's best not to hyper-amplify these individual acts and occasionally untrue rumors because that's what's really going to discourage people. And so disinformation is almost the widespread discussion of all of this and not even the individual acts. Yeah. And I want to say again that I, I am investigating every single one of these reports. I don't, I'm not treating them all as fake. Yeah. I, I, every time that we get a tip or a rumor or someone sees something on a social media post, I'm immediately calling the police, the local police department. I'm immediately, I'm in touch with people all the way up to the state FBI. So mm. we are treating these as legitimate acts that happened, we have not found one yet that has been true. But that doesn't mean that we're not taking them all seriously. I mean, you know, just as a reporter, because obviously it would be a news story if there were people in tactical gear standing outside of a ballot box at a rec center. Well, we're glad to have you on it. (laughs) Yeah. Thanks, Allison. Thanks, Allison. Well, now that we've covered voting in droves and security concerns, I'd like to wrap us up today uh, with one final thing. This is our moment that we'd like to call Wait, what? 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 And for me today, it's um, it was a, a record-breaking day for elections mail. I opened up my my mailbox last Friday. Guess how many pieces I got? Hmm. I'm gonna base it on you know the fact that I haven't had a ton, but you said it was record-breaking. I'm gonna go with eight or nine. Okay, Lynn, what you got? I saw your tweet, so I kind of know. (laughs) Isn't that cheating? (laughs) But you also get a point for following me on Twitter. Um, (laughs) The the answer is uh, 20. 20 pieces of mail. Wow. Almost filled up the mailbox. Tons of state rep mail, a bunch of mail on some of the assorted amendments. I've been getting tons on Tabor. The we're watching you, did you vote kind of mail. Literally covered my entire kitchen island. It was spectacular. I guess I'm in less of a swing area, or they just don't care about me. You know, I haven't I haven't gotten a lot of mail. I've had I've had a few, but nothing like that. That's crazy. Well, we're unaffiliated voters in Jeffco, and it's quite a swing district. So I'm, I think that might have been the peak of it, though. We I haven't seen anything quite like that. We're back to nine and ten piece days. And you're in one of the competitive state legislative races too. Oh yeah, so. we're getting hammered on that. And the Democrats are outspending the Republicans like crazy right now, at least in my mailbox. <laughs> Let's wrap this episode up. Purplish is a production of member-supported Colorado Public Radio. Learn more about becoming a member and join today at CPR.org. I'm Andrew Kenny with my colleagues Benta Berkland and Caitlin Kim. We will be back in your podcast feeds next week for our final pre-election episode. Until then, this is Purplish from CPR News. days before election, you can do a song. 
the 12 oh, days before election my my true voter gave to me 1.3 million early ballots <laughs> 11 press flags flacking perfect <laughs> might yeah. need some auto-tune <laughs> oh my god auto-tune the purplish <laughs>